Come on in, podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Alexis. And I'm Tyler. And we are excited to get back into things. This episode is episode seven of David versus Goliath, and it's called There's Gonna Be Tears Shed. And boy, oh boy, may there be tears shed on this podcast. It'd be me. <laughs> okay. Like, I haven't cried over our podcast. And not yet, anyway. I'm kidding. It's it's not happening this episode, most likely. But, I mean, potential for future episodes. We might be drawing back from this well. So, let's go straight into the merge, since I don't think anything on previously on was particularly compelling. No, not really. We merge from the very onset of this episode and find ourselves on Tiva Beach, which is curious because that is the tribe that started over midway through the pre-merge. So we're starting at this smaller shelter, potentially probably less less amenities than other places that they do get hammocks eventually because people are definitely lounging in those hammocks of power throughout the episode. Well, those are probably a previous reward that the tribe just brought with them, right? I would assume so, yeah. Okay. But during the merge feast, we start to see some really interesting content from Gabby. Obviously, uh, I think most survivors at this point are aware that there's usually some kind of advantage or clue or idol at the merge feast. And so she's looking and she's thinking about it. And as I'm sure many of you have seen on Reddit and other websites, there is a theory that the very image of the uh, merge feast sign it uses this little arcing tree into the water on um, some kind of a beach. And some people have found a very, very similar tree in the background of a lot of the shots this episode. So we're thinking that it's potentially the clue to finding the idol. Gabby so far is the only one to comment on looking for this. And she is like turning over like the little utensil things, which also has this little icon on it. So hopefully she's able to catch on to that and get uh, the first female find of an idol this season. Because boy, do they need it. <laughs> yes, they do. I, I have two theories. I think one is going to be that they somebody does just happen to find it and the viewers can get that satisfaction of being mm. like, it was alluded to. Or I think they're going to be like, it's going to keep popping up. Like this logo that was at the feast is going to keep showing up and it'll be like, when are they going to get it? <laughs> but I agree with you. I think since we've heard Gabby talk about it first and foremost, mm -hmm. my hope and what I, how I currently lean is that she'll be the one to find it. Right. Perhaps we'll see even next episode. One of those, it'll be one of the challenges where you can win a reward or like win, win an advantage in the game or like a clue to where an advantage might be hiding. Hmm. That would be my, I don't know. That's uh, just a theory. <laughs> I, that has nothing to do with what, what we normally talk about, but that's just... <laughs> just putting my, that out that's, there. That's my two cents in the this whole no advantage at the, the merge debacle that's going on. Sure. So the fact that no female has found an idol so far in this season is noteworthy because it has been talked about. It has made the edit in terms of the inability, seemingly, of women to find idols through American Survivor. We will be talking about this in a post-season episode because there was a very good thread on Reddit recently about an Australian survivor's theory about why American Survivor females have such a harder time finding the idols because on Australian Survivor, it is a 50-50 split currently. So that's something that's going to be very interesting. But so far, we've had none of that representation this season, but a potential for sure. 
An interesting note with this merged tribe is they have named themselves Kalo Kalo, meaning star in Fijian. Mm-hmm. And of note that you noted, it is Elizabeth who ends up naming this tribe. Yay. <laughs> yeah, there's not much. I don't know the stats on who names the tribe, but I am very happy that this is not a portmanteau of all of the previous tribe names. It's a very refreshing change from that. So thanks, Elizabeth. <laughs> Do you find it at all odd that she did get to name the tribe, managed to bring everybody together for this, and it's perhaps the only time that she had everybody on her side? Um, sure. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, of course, right after this, we hear Carl leaning over to, uh, some of the Goliath members a little bit drunkenly and saying she knows everything, you know, and sort of belaboring the fact that she is such a know-it-all and how annoying she is and immediately throwing her under the bus, like before they had a chance to even go off and strategize. So that makes me very sad. We know that Carl and Elizabeth have had a lot of tension in the last few episodes, especially with the back situation. To hear him call her a know-it-all is kind of frustrating. I expected more from the Davids. Yeah, and it's it's not well supported in what we've seen. No. That she she hasn't been too apparent, I guess. I mean, she's made what we thought were really good moves early on in this season. Mm-hmm. It seems to have had like at least a little bit of a sense on what's going on in the game. Mm-hmm. But we see her and Kara bonding. Like she clearly yeah. is able to bond with people. Like unfortunately her closest ally B was medevaced and true. She's had a couple of things that just have fallen through the cracks, but she was a really good character. I'm sad she went this episode mm-hmm. later on. Uh, we see Dan and Kara reuniting which is hilarious to watch and also a little bit cringy for me because Dan is just like, I need my comfort blanket. And she's just like, ah. Uh. Aw- <laughs> like awkwardly yeah, awing at this. Yeah, because I think she's just, she's so aware of the fact that he's just puppy dogging her and like that's a target on her like immediately. But she can't do anything about that right now except for use it for what it's worth, which is another vote on her side. He immediately also, and this is, use it for what it's worth, knowledge, he immediately tells her about his second idol. <laughs> I was screaming at the television screen as he was doing it. It is, oh my gosh. At this point, I think she's buttering him up because later that night we hear her say, I would love to see you win, sort of a flirtatious, like. Go ahead and try to beat me. <laughs> no, it's not really a challenge in my head. You don't head. think so? Mm-mm, no, I think she's just telling him like what he wants to hear. Because he clearly can't handle anything else. Getting some of that charm on that we we feel is a big motif of Kara's through this season. Exactly. I can see it. I also think this might show a little bit of the perhaps very inherent masculine role that Dan might be trying to think. I think he found that he has two idols and he really likes Kara. And so now he feels like the way he shows his affection is through Mm -hmm. this like provider protector kind of thing (laughs) oh protector is super big in this but that's very true good astute and i just i I think it's i think that's one of the reasons that he like probably wants this episode and i think it was last episode he's like i have this idol i'm not gonna tell anybody it's gonna be mine to keep and it's gonna be great (laughs) but the minute he like gets near carrie he just melts withers yep (laughs) and it's like i i swear they couldn't have been together alone for more than like two minutes before he said that Right. You know, that had to have been one of those top tier things he was going to tell Kara. And almost, I wonder if it's like, I I said it as like a protector thing, but I almost wonder if it is also a courting thing. He's trying to be like, Mm -hmm. I can keep you safe. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can. And that's why you should be with me. Mm -hmm. 
I just it, it's one of those unnecessary like flexes. <laughs> you know, having one idol was good in this game. Having two is <laughs> right. Okay. Keep it keep it safe and surprise her. You know, right, like, right. girls like surprises. Don't they? <laughs> I do like like good on her honestly for leaning into it. Uh, even if it's, I don't know, maybe she's uncomfortable with it. Like, we don't really hear from her about mm-hmm. the romance part of this. We just see that she's not reciprocating right. in that way, except when she's saying things like, I, I can see you in, or like, I would love to see you in, and things like that. So I think she's using him for all he's worth to her, and hopefully he doesn't drag her down in the end. Right. I agree. The other person that's really interesting to follow during this merge is obviously Alec. He's sort of the man of the hour in this episode because he's able to talk to so many people and come together with this one strike force alliance. But notably, before that all happens, he's talking about brewskis. He's talking about his love for like not getting wasted, but getting buzzed and things like that. He's just super into this like idea of a pre-party and the party and how now you can pick up the girls and bro out with the dudes. So he's really playing into that a very masculine role, if we're going to be talking about a little bit of gender roles that are being played here. We have Dan, who's the provider, the protector. We have Alec, who's sort of the party, chill-out dude, pick-up chicks sort of a guy. But he does have a lot of nuance, more nuance in him than Dan does because he is able to like turn on the strategy part of his mind and talk to Christian and be like, hey, this is an unlikely couple situation. Let's do this. Which I think Christian's heard more this season than anybody else. <laughs> Nobody always, suspects Christian. No one will think we're on the same way. Yeah. So except for Gabby. <laughs> right. So yeah. So Alec connects with Christian. He connects individually with Gabby, I think. And obviously pulls together the Goliaths and talks to Nick. And I think last of all, as he's wandering down the beach, like, hey, you're part of our alliance. The strike force sort of thing. Something that I read in an interview he did about the season so far is that his primary connection on the David side is Christian. That was the one person he wanted to align with. And we see Angelina talking about how threatening Christian is compared to Elizabeth. And Alec is intentionally picking the threats to be his allies because he sees himself as a threat. And I think he's really trying to hone in on that Jeremy, the Jeremy meat shield strategy. So... He's choosing, he's choosing to align with Christian so that Christian has more attention than he does. He's trying to get the attention off of his back, which I think he's effectively doing. And notably, Gabby's involvement is purely anecdotal, kind of. It's just like, because Christian trusts Gabby, Gabby's part of this. So I'm just noticing that like the one connection he does have that is like a strong female alliance is Allison. Everyone else besides Gabby is male in that alliance. But to be fair, there's also not that many females in this game anymore. Anymore. We'll get to that. We go into the immunity challenge, which is won by Allison, who is the fourth female in a row to win the first individual immunity challenge. So that's exciting. Yay, Allison. I like that. <laughs> of course, that also makes females more threatening post-merge. <laughs> and this is the interesting thing, because Survivor up to like season 30 or so is very much like, oh, women are weak, so get them out. And then the men are too strong, so get them out in the second half of the game. And I think in the last 10 episodes especially, that has been flipping a little bit because the post-merge challenges are so focused on balance and things that women are capable of winning. We've seen Chrissy re- like recently in Heroes, Heroes, Hustlers, 
tie the female record for individual immunity wins. Yes, she ties that record. Here's something I found interesting after we get back from the immunity challenge. We end up getting word to Dan from Alec that Elizabeth wants Dan out. And Dan does not take this well. Dan does not take this well at all. In fact, he becomes like, sees red, full enraged mode is like, it has to be Elizabeth. And this isn't like, she's already been a big target of, or like a big topic of conversation for being the first person out. And so that is like, they've kind of switched it to Christian. And this is, this is the tipping point, I guess, for Dan, that he's, he's now full force. Like if he has a way to get Elizabeth out, he's going to do it. And to me, it's weird to me because it's just like a weird form of, of retaliation, of retribution. It's not, he, he, rather than trying to use it, right, to to his advantage in the game, he's going to just go full force against it. And he even, he's, he's even really confused by it because he, he does mention after he finds out that it's going for him, he's like, well, why me? Why not John? And I think that shows that he, he doesn't feel... He feels that if they're going to go after a threat, they should go after like the most physical threat. And he doesn't feel like he's that person. He doesn't see the threat that he is physically. And that ties in well with his story of like growing up a little bit overweight and having to overcome that. And we see him trying to overcome that perception of himself and like perhaps like talking to himself during the challenge, like you can do this, like you're the man, that sort of a talk. It really kind of comes like hits home. It's like, oh man, like he must have been that must be something that he was taught to do or that he learned to do in order to gain confidence in himself because he clearly had to overcome a lot of that insecurity growing up. What is interesting to me about the scenario is that speaking of like Dan and Kara, usually, and I'm going to go into politics a little bit here, women are framed as being overly emotional, overly sensitive and irrational. And that's why we shouldn't trust them with high offices or power, et cetera, et cetera. And this scenario is just so the opposite of that, right? We have Dan who's like flipping out. He's furious. He says, I was furious. And then Kara is the one trying to calm him down. Like, hey, don't freak out. Like she's pointing out all the reasons why he should feel like he's king of the castle, that he has the majority alliance. He has these idols, like one of which nobody knows about. He has like, it could be so much worse for him right now. He, like, for example, he could be Elizabeth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he could be the person on the bottom of the bottom with their own alliance people turning against her, right? So she's saying things like slap yourself into shape. This is the way the game goes. Like if you don't expect your name to come up, then what are you doing on Survivor? So she's the one who's like trying to speak sense to him. And sure, people get upset when their names come out. Like, I don't think anyone's happy to hear that. But I think you have players that are able to digest that and maneuver their way around it. And then people who will just bulldoze their way through to get what they want, which is that person out. Mm -hmm. If you F with me, you're dead. It's uh, I I think something that just kind of clicked in my brain right now was that I Dan shouldn't have reacted to this as volatilely as he did. Mm-hmm. However, this is this is the first time that they're having to show trust for one another, right? We we often hear that the lines in the sand aren't drawn until mm-hmm. tribal council. And trust for who? It, for everyone. Oh, okay. right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. from how we know the episode ends, right? right? It's a unanimous vote against Elizabeth. Right. Right. There should have been really no question going into tribal council where alliances lied. Right. Or who to trust, and so even. 
maybe the timeline's a little off. Maybe we don't know how early this conversation mm-hmm. happens. But I can't imagine. Like, it, it seems to get to that point decently quick in the episode, mm-hmm. right? Like, we get we get to the point where it's going to be like Elizabeth's going to be a big target here, and it takes us a little while to build into a story of oh, but Angelina might have just screwed herself over, right? And so Dan, having reacted though this this volatile to to finding out his name was on the block, shows to me is is representative of how there is real fear here. I think if he hadn't actually been afraid that he was going home, he wouldn't have reacted that way. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder going forward, I think, I guess the reaction might be the same, but I think it also will display differently. Mm-hmm. This is, this is hard because it shows that it's just somebody you don't trust, mm-hmm. right? It, it's kind of the implications of this first vote. Mm-hmm. We, we have very, I, I think some few reasons why you get voted out at the, as first in the merge. It could be because you played too hard, which usually leads to a trust issue, right? People just don't feel that they can trust you. You're kind of on the outs. You haven't really made like that core alliance or group with other people. It's because maybe there is trust within a whole bunch of the group, but you're just, you're going to dominate the challenges. And personally, I'll say, I'll interject there too, even like, I don't feel like that starts to be apparent until maybe like the third challenge, right? If you show that you're like in one of the top or two, or you've won multiple challenges, that's when people are like, we have to get you out simply because we may not be able to get you out later. Right. And I don't know if I have another one. Like, this kind of seemed like the big two. I I have a lot of thoughts on this. I was going to say for the end, but I can get into it now. Sure. So the last 10 seasons of Survivor, seven of those 10 have been women. I'm noticing a pattern in the first merge boot that's usually like the safe vote is the one to get booted. So people who are kind of a threat strategically or physically or whatever, like, they're a little bit more dangerous. So once Angelina changes that vote to Christian, which even John says it makes sense in the context of the game, like he is a threat. We want him out early because he can make so many deep connections with people. Allison is, is rebutting that with, okay, now we're just trying to get too fancy. Like you said, this vote is so important to draw lines in the sand, like to know who you can trust. And most people will go with the easy vote in order to, like solidify everything to move forward. And usually women are, are at the apex of that because seen they're seen as like less likely to have idols, less likely to strategize, to fight back in a way we see Elizabeth does fight back and she does a pretty good job with what she's given considering she didn't know she was the vote until right before tribal. This, this harkens back to like the Haley vote, the Jessica vote, like Michelle, we have so many different people who, just for whatever reason, we're seen as like the easy ones for now. Let's save the harder ones down the line. That's like my perception though. So that might not actually be a thing yet. I feel like I've, I've read it other places too, but we'll see. Hey, well, even as Jeff said this episode, perceptions are reality for a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one more thing about Dan. Yep. Talking about Angelina and her vote changing to Christian and all that sort of like craziness. The fact that he's like, she she needs to grow up, to effing grow up, whatever he said, is just so funny to me because it's just like, put a mirror in front of you, dude. Like, look at yourself. <laughs> Actually, I think that is a good thing to bring up in general. If it had been a guy mm-hmm. upset about it, it would have been more of a like, let's duke it out and talk it out kind of a thing. Mm. Right? But hers is seen more of a ten- temper tantrum. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. No, exactly it. Mm-hmm. Right? She she gets upset, and I feel that's very justified. Mm-hmm. Like, they have this consensus, and she brings up a wonderful argument up until she goes and talks to Elizabeth. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's so dangerous to change the vote this close. Like, we, yeah. have, we you have to make sure that everybody's on board, that nobody's confused that we're switching the vote, that, right. like, there's no rumors that we're switching back. Right. And, and so, like, she has a lot of very good, valid concerns, and she does, like... Yeah, she takes it. She was very caught off guard, mm-hmm. and so we get to see very like quickly like a defensive Angelina yeah, to be like, I mean, whatever you guys want, mm-hmm. right? But it didn't come off as too ups- to me. It didn't come off as too upset. It mm-hmm. came off as like, I mean, I'll go with you guys. I'm with you guys. Yeah, I think Kellen's recap of this episode is actually really, really interesting because she talks about that slipping that seeing that control slip away from your fingers and how much fear that brings into like, Oh, I don't actually have control of these people. Like, Oh, I'm not actually at the top of this anymore. And, you know, seeing the dynamics of an alliance sort of slip apart like that. Um, it is really scary. And like, there's a lot of arguments to be made that she did not handle that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were a hundred percent logical person, you'd look at that and be like, yeah, sure. That's great. Period. Done. Don't need to talk about it. I believe you guys. I trust you guys. Just show that trust. Moving on. Her making a little bit more of a bigger deal about it, even though it may be justified, does make it a little bit harder for everyone else. Because as soon as she walks away, they have a chance to be like, oh, she's pissed. Oh, my gosh. So annoying. Oh, my God. And it's like, ugh, no, you don't want that kind of talk about you at all. So she, I don't think it was right of her to bring that up in the context of Survivor, but I don't think it's right of anybody to consider that a temper tantrum or irrational either, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I think it's more of her fighting back for her logical argument, which is to get Christian out, which is obviously the better choice in terms of strategy. So she's more of fighting back than she is temper tantruming and upset, mm-hmm. I think. And just to bring it back in, I think had Angelina been a male or if it had been some other male who had come up with the the plan mm-hmm. that I think it would have been taken a lot better. Right. I don't mm-hmm. think I, I don't think there would have been this this big blowout mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like mockery mm-hmm. for, for her mm-hmm. like expressing that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, while everybody's strategizing about is it Elizabeth or is it Christian, we see that the Davids have kind of already accepted their fate. They, I think, already know it's going to be Elizabeth, really, for the most part. Yeah. However, we get to see them talking, and uh, Gabby is the one who brings up, you know, here's our here's our strategy. We're going to sell that we're really pathetic, that it's going to be like, oh, it's going to be one of us, but, like, as long as it's not me. And so they're going to just, like, self-consume. They're going to cannibalize, I guess, a little bit, mm-hmm. their own tribe. I think she is, a lot of people will call her Tears to Crocodile Tears. And that upsets me a little bit because I think she is very frustrated. She even explains that before tribal of like to be the underdog over and over again, to see the Goliaths parading down the beach and just like pick at the litter of like who they want to get out. You know, that is frustrating because like she says in this confessional, like all we can do is hope. And as we heard from her before, hope is not a strategy. So she feels, I think a little bit at a loss, even though she's part of the strike force, even though she's part of whatever, like, how is she supposed to know whether or not she can trust them? She hasn't even voted with them yet. So going into that tribal, I can see her still being a little bit just like just wanting to do something, but unable to do so. And I think her tears for Elizabeth of just like, why don't you just let her play are pretty natural. Do they work in her favor in terms of getting Elizabeth's vote at the end? If she gets that far, 
yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't think that means that they're fake tears or that they were only there for strategic purposes. So just to clarify that. And I actually want to say that I don't know. I, I also agree with you that I don't think she was fake crying. The thing I really like about this cast, I think in general, that is so unique to Survivor is that I get a sense of genuinity. Yeah. Is that a real word? Mm -hmm. Genuinity? From the entire cast. Like, there's not really any fake moments. Mm -hmm. They are who they are, and they're not well, apologizing for it. Natalie. Natalie. Okay, we have one good actor. <laughs> You're right. But, like, that's that was still, like, a very vulnerable moment for Gabby. I think others have brought up a good point that, like, it's hard to believe because we have typically seen her only cry in private or to, like, I think Christian's the only other person. Well, Christian and Allison. But, like, a big public cry in front of everybody is, is unseen of for Gabby, but that doesn't, in my eyes, discredit it as a very genuine cry. Mm -hmm. I think those were real emotions she was feeling, and I think that was her honest depiction of her situation. So what do you feel about Angelina's sort of cry, sort of talking to Elizabeth at the end right before tribal. Do you see that as a genuine moment? I have gone back and forth on this. I currently stand in the belief that it was jury management. Hmm. And I don't think, I think when they had brought that up as like, it, when it was exposed that she did that, mm -hmm. and I think it's even Allison who first brings it up, was like, I think she was just managing the jury. I was like, okay, like, yeah, the jury's in play, but... We haven't really seen people play like to the jury from the first vote. Like, I feel like it's usually something that like you start thinking about after the easy votes are out, you know, yeah. or whatever. Like, I think that was Allison's point. It's just like, look at her. She's doing this already. Right. I, I think two things. I think it was partial jury management, mm -hmm. but I think she was trying to get something going. Mm -hmm. I think this wasn't honestly an honest play by Angelina to try to be like, hey, it's you. Do you have an idol? Do you have anything? Right. To do? How like, can we? How yeah, can we yeah. turn this? Mm -hmm. It was her trying to get her foot back in the game, mm -hmm. and Elizabeth just didn't, just didn't take the bait. I guess she didn't. She didn't do it at all. She, or I mean, granted, she didn't have anything else, right? Right. Ooh. She she literally told her that the moment before tribal, which is what makes it so suspicious to me. Like, if you're actually wanting to help her out, you would give her some time to do something. Right. My argument there would just be we don't know when the vote had changed back from when Angelina had been told. Oh, mm -hmm. hey, right. we're going to Elizabeth. That's true. Um, but Elizabeth does turn to Gabby in that moment and is like, hey, this is what's happening to me. And then that's when Gabby is just like, well, why don't we put her under the bus? And Oh, like, my gosh. Gets... She, she literally says she's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Or she's an idiot. Wow. I think she's that, so that's stupid, what I think. Well, she's an idiot. Well, she's stupid. And then Elizabeth gets fired up again. And then she says, I did not come here to let some bitch beat me, which is kind of sad to see that language. But. We, we move on. <laughs> so let's get to tribal really fast. There's a great moment where Christian explains factorials for Allison, and she's very grateful for it. And the Brochacha's reaction of just like, oh, yeah, he just said that. It's hilarious to me. You didn't hear him. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> right. As, um, if, as if Dan knew what factorials were. This is just another one of those genuine moments that I wanted to make sure we commented on. The, it's one of those things that was just really... I mean, not necessary, right? But they're, they're able to have like a good time. And it's like, they you, you see that Christian is like one of the bros, right? They're all able to joke along. And they're, they're trying to like, to me, it shows them trying to like save Christian's face a little bit, right? Save face for Christian. Because mm. it's like, that was kind of a very awkward thing to bring up in tribal council. Like, 
you got it wrong. And like, nobody cares. And nobody really knew that except for you, Christian. (laughs) But you pointed it out. And now your bros got your back to be like, to like lessen the blow. Make it funny. Right. Make it funny rather than like this awkward thing. And I don't know that Allison took it like as a really awkward thing. No, I think everyone thought it was funny. But that was my interpretation of that. Also, I was very surprised that Elizabeth believed that it was going to be a David. That was another thing that we kind of see throughout this episode that we didn't talk about. But it seems like a lot of the people thought it would have just become the Davids versus the Goliaths. Mm-hmm. And we've seen fractures and splinters of different alliances come off. And Elizabeth was one of those people who just fully believed it would be David Strong. And even in her exit interview, like mm. she she... Her first confessional, I think, was that she was a loyal person and she'll always be a loyal person. And whenever she's talking to herself and trying to start alliances, it's like, I will be the most loyal person you will ever mm-hmm. like join alliances with. And she was very honest. And her exit interview, she talks about like how she couldn't lie worth a damn because Angelina was like, why don't you just pretend you have an idol? And she's like, I can't do that. Like, <laughs> right. I can't lie worth a crap. So she is very honest, very loyal. It is sad that her, her closest ally quits. She is sort of the only one without an ally, despite being so profoundly loyal. Mm -hmm. It's too bad. But she is the boot, and thus ends our episode. And because this is the merge episode, I thought it would be interesting to go into a couple of stats that have come up so far. I found these on Inside Survivor, so shout out to them. Woo! This, uh, I've mentioned already that this is the fourth time in a row a female has run the first individual immunity. Something that's notable, Gabby is the only female David left. Which is really sad to me. Related to that, only one man has been voted out of this game so far. Jeremy. Of course, we had Pat's medevac early on in the season. So we're not counting that as a vote out. And Davey and Jeremy are the only men to receive votes so far this season. Women have consistently been the target, the primary target, the secondary target. And that's part of the reason why we've seen so many go so early in this game. And we... We've talked about this throughout the season so far, but it's not, sometimes it's perceived weakness, like Lyrsa over and over again, but we never really see reason for that weakness to be actually true. For instance, the the one person I remember slowing people down in a, tri- uh, in a challenge is Carl, and his name doesn't come up once. <laughs> so that's food for thought. Eight men remain, four women remain. That's twice as many men than women. So I really am hoping that the women can stick it through for a couple more weeks to even out the numbers some more. And Natalie's the only female to get an episode title so far of the seven episodes. So just some interesting gender-related facts, some sad gender-related facts. And next time on Survivor. Yeah, next time we see uh, Angelina being painted as a villain. Gabby not being is she being sincere is she being really genuine these two um particularly upset me i guess because i still haven't seen a reason why gabby hasn't been genuine or sincere (laughs) to anyone and i think these are that's a just a blow-off reason to want to try to vote out gabby i think they're too afraid of stating a real reason why they want to vote her off or maybe they don't have a good reason she they can't relate to her she's a woman I, that is probably actually exactly it. They just don't <laughs> relate. And so it's it's easier to just come up with something. Mm-hmm. I hate either. I, I don't know. I guess I'm not going to deny, deny that Angelina has been painted quite a bit as a villain already this season. Especially well, she's after... She's gotten over the top negative five two weeks in a row. Right. So 
it, it just seems like next episode we're going to continue that train. So sorry, Angelina, you uh, you've already earned it, I would say, and she's, you're just going to keep hopped on the Natalie train. Yeah, choo choo, whoop whoop. <laughs> and did you know that Christian is still on the chopping block? This guy is too visible for his own good. That is all I'm going to say. But he's got a lot of friends. He he's so got friends, friends in high places. He's got friends in hidden places. So I can't see him going home anytime soon. And that'll do it for us today, folks. Okay. If you want to talk about anything, if you want to further discuss something that we brought up, if we had missed something, feel free to at us on Twitter at Come On In Podcast. That's our handle. We love to hear from you on Twitter. We got nothing for you. Head back to camp. Bye. Bye.